Thanks for tuning in, guys. We had a few issues with our primary mic this week, so we had to use our backup. But keep listening, because our guests this week are really, really funny. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hot Chocolate Media's Movie Machine Podcast, where we bring three industry professionals to create a movie based on a random prompt. Today, I'm thrilled to bring three illustrious individuals from Hollywood. We have Ben Lifson, who is our writer, who was the uh, the poop scene supervisor on all Farley Brothers films. So anytime oh, wow. Scat was involved with Farley Brothers, they consulted him. We have our uh, director, David Trailer who was the action sequence uh, coordinator or choreographer, if you will, for uh, American Pie. It was, it was pretty good. Yeah. And then Kirsten Wade, our producer, mm-hmm. who helped produce The Land Before Time 10 yeah. and 9, but not 11 or 12, because she has more class than that. Correct. So today we have a plot, and we're going to start with our writer, who's going to give us the pitch and the title. So the today's story is a parody romance. The main characters are an altruistic scientist and an educated archivist. The start of the story, growth. The end of the story, sport. All right, as our writer, Ben Lipson, gets this down, he has three minutes to pitch his, his script and vision for this prompt. Well, first off, I just want to say I'm really excited. This is my first writing opportunity, and just to work in Hollywood where, you know, people care about the story. It's really important to me. Anyway, so here's what I'm thinking about, okay? So, you know, educated archivist and altruistic scientist. All right there, you have a connection right there, okay? So the archivist going through some old archives and the scientist is, you know, helping this person out, saying like, you know, everyone's saying like, what I found is crazy, but the scientist is like, no, I believe in you. You know, that whole thing. Anyway, I should probably be more specific, so here we go. So, uh, let's say, um, I'm saying present day, uh, present day, you know, they're, I don't know, uh, Egypt, I think, you know, um, there's an archivist going to, you know, studies that have been done, done on Egypt, you know, and they're finding some new sort of things, the archivist is, um, some things that people have missed before, and everyone, you know, calls them crazy, uh, totally nuts, uh, but then they meet the altruistic scientist who um, believes in them, and so we kind of go through a growth um, where... You know, at first it starts from this guy with just a crazy idea to slowly starting to develop his idea. Um, so I imagine there being, like, um, you know, and for the idea, let's say, um, I don't know, if we want to bring in some, like, fantasy things to it, too, I don't, um, you could say, like, maybe the old Egyptians used, like, a magical sport or, or technological whatever stuff. So that could be the thing. is like him saying, like, back then, these are what the Egyptians would do. And it completely changes the field of Egyptology. And he, you know, showing his theory, learning more and more about it, um, trying to make it into the modern day. Uh, the finale would be, of course, um, it being revived into the modern day, the Egyptian games and stuff like that, but um, jumping ahead a little bit there. Anyway, um, I don't know, the altruistic scientist, it could be sort of a romance plot, too. Um, I think that, you know, um, could be very interesting. Uh, I Imagine, like, a climax could be, you know, at this big uh, historic conference 
trying to um, finally, you know, pitch this to the entire world, get the, I don't know how scientists agree on when things happen, I think they like vote on it, but um, trying to get the vote, um, I think, and, you know, trying to do that, um, there should, oh, there should definitely be a bad guy who, you know, because of his beliefs in Egyptology, because he's like the big expert, you know, an old guy, um, is trying to completely discredit all of his theories because it'll completely ruin him. Um, so, you know, there will be sort of that battle. You can kind of go into underhanded techniques, maybe involve the mob, I don't know. Um, whatever the science version of the mob is could work too. Um, so, um, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I just write things. I don't actually, like, research stuff, but I figure most movie audiences wouldn't anyway. So, anyway, that's kind of my idea. All right, do you have a title for this film? That's what we need for you before we hand it over to the director. Um, the Pyramid Scheme. All right. Our director, David Trailer, now must pitch his vision for the script of The Pyramid Scheme. I think the very limitless fields that you, that you plowed for me are the seeds of a really amazing, like, this era's Indiana Jones. I really think that. Now, um... You mentioned, the, you, you mentioned the romance angle between the uh, altruistic scientist and the uh, educated archivist. Now, I would like to possibly cast those two right now. I'm thinking for the altruistic scientist, who, who's smart, who can really act, who's got chops, I think Rachel Weisz. Um, saw her in Enemy at the Gate, she was in Constant Gardener, uh, she's British, uh, she's automatically smart. British, smart. People equate British to smart. Now, um, for the uh, for the educated archivist, I'm thinking somebody like bear with me here, Zoe Saldana. That's right. I'd like to make this a parody lesbian romance adventure film, and I think we can break down a lot of barriers. I think that we're going to get an entire different demographic with the adding of Zoe Saldana in there. Plus, I mean, did you see her in Guardians of the Galaxy? She doesn't have to be green in this, but um, uh, she could strike me as somebody who's, I guess the term could be ethnically flexible. Um, like, like how you can cast, um, uh, Cliff Curtis. Like how you can cast that guy. He's, he's a Maori, but he, he, I mean, he was, and he was Latino in Training Day, and, uh, he was Arabic and some other thing. You, you know what I'm saying. Ethnically ambiguous. So, um... This person could be maybe from Egypt back in the day, maybe educated in either London or something like that, and they met there, struck up a romance, and now they're in Egypt, and I think that what happens is, inevitably, their romance is tested by an Egyptian curse. That's, yeah, uh, that's where I think it's going with that. Um, now, you mentioned the sport angle, is that this curse could be uh, to anybody who tries to recreate this ancient Egyptian sport. Now, um... This sport could involve balls or discs. I'm thinking like a big stadium affair, like there's going to be this big game near the end, you know? Maybe where they both play, like two players on their team are, are, are out for the count. And so the scientists and the archivists have to step in, you know? And so you get this really plucky sports romantic comedy kind of thing to, playing towards the end of it. Now, I don't know how brutal I want this game to be. Um, it could be a combination of roller derby and the Mesoamerican ball game where they sometimes use the heads Giant. of their enemies. What now? Jailai. Jailai. Yes, that. The Mesoamerican ballgame. Now, um, so, so I'm thinking like a combination of roller derby and highlight, um, really high potential for danger, um, 
pads, bruises, you know, you get this real girl power element, though, because they're taking the sport, which was traditionally a man's sport, and they're creating an all-female league. And um, it's, it's, it's like an Egyptian league of their own. Yeah. That's what I think. All right. Kirsten, our producer, you have three minutes to set a budget and give your input on the pyramid scheme. Well, uh, gosh, have I got some things to say. Um, first of all, I, I, I like the basic idea of the plot. I think that setting it in Egypt, having a scientist and an archivist working together, that's great. I want to remove the element of the present day altogether. I think it should be just set completely in the past, maybe during the... Um, the, uh, what do they call it, like the mummy wars, and everyone was digging up mummies and using their wrappings to make like medicine. circa 1900? Sure, yeah. Um, you know, what What sells movies? Oscar nominations. And what gets Oscar nominations? Sweeping period pieces with lesbians. Yep. And I think that that's the angle that we want to go with. That's the angle that we should go <laughs> I'm going to take the works out. We've seen her do this exactly. It was in The Mummy with Brendan Fraser, and his hamburger nipples stopped selling movies around number three. And I want this to be a series that can go on for uh, far longer than it has any right to. Um, if we could get somebody who's got some real star power, somebody who people will believe as a lesbian without feeling intimidated by. So how about we go uh, Scarlett Johansson? Uh Scarlett Johansson and Zoe Saldana, I think, could work together. Then there's also that kind of little Marvel angle. Hey, do you want to see Black Widow and Gamora make out? Of course you do. Come see this movie. Um, I think that I could probably do a pretty good budget here. I like the idea of the Egyptian sport. If we could somehow work in some NFL promo spots, get a good minute, 90 second long commercial during the Super Bowl that really emphasized emphasizes the um, end-of-movie sport with the lesbians. Make people think that's what it's all about and then get them tricked into coming to a Valentine's Day romance. Um, it's working for Deadpool. It'll work for uh, Pyramid Scheme. Um, I am going to give you a budget of, let's say, let's say $90 million. Because we're probably going to have to CG the sport, because I just can't imagine either of those girls actually, you know, running around and throwing balls and getting sweaty without stunt workers on scene. Um, and then maybe if we could uh, take this all on location, rent out the pyramids for two or three months. You know, tell all tourists, I'm sorry, you're going to have to go visit that, that cat lady without the nose instead. And uh, <laughs> see if we can sort of uh, take over that area for a bit. Um, and I think that we also should probably see if we can get uh, floats at Pride Parade. You know, I want the Bengals playing, I want people in bright costumes, and I want signs saying... See this movie, we acknowledge your existence. All right. So you've heard the changes, our writer, to the pyramid scheme, Ben. So as a writer, well, how do you respond to this? How do you roll with the changes? How do you well, adjust your off, script to this new I thing? think pyramid scheme was my biggest mistake today. Um, it should be pyramid games, hunger games, and it's also more exciting. Um, but yeah, um, I like some of these. I, I like a lot of these ideas. Um, one idea that 
came out to me right away was um, you said you sort of wanted to make it almost a franchise. I'm thinking we could also do a make it a two-part movie. Um, I don't know how that would work in the budget, but I'm pretty sure you'd get a lot of your money back. Um, but I'll get back to that later. Um, oh, well, I'm not sure when to split it, so I'll just um, think of it as one movie, and then we can decide that later, um, if that's okay. Anyway, um, so uh, one thing, the thing you said about the mummy curse, um, I'm actually really liking that idea. Um, and also you said that maybe making her from Egypt. So what we can do is tie that into, so um, she is maybe the descendant of someone who is big in the game or the person who stopped the game. And so, and the family constantly says like, you know, we're the keeper of the game, so we can't tell anyone about it. Um, it's our family's darkest secret. And um, it's so dark that, you know, her parents don't even tell her, but she's able to figure it out. Um, you know, make some family drama there too. And the dad is like, you know, bring the curse to everyone, you know, um, some, someone sort of like that. Um, you know, like, you know, the old man kind of archetype, uh, he can die pretty early in the movie, I think. But um, first act, you know, he can be a goner. But, um, so yeah, uh, let's see. Um, set in past 1900s, I think that's a good idea. Um, can really Indiana Jones it even more. That also gives the opportunity to introduce Nazis. Because um, you can kill Nazis and no one cares. Oh, no, but it could be before the World War. Well, well, okay. It could be before the World War starts, though. When, because I remember there was a part where, like, Nazis were at the Olympics. So the Nazis could be the opponents of the first game. Okay? And that really makes it so, no matter, you, you really... Egyptians versus Nazis. Yeah. You know, you really root for our heroes because they're not, you know, their opponents are Nazis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there can be a little bit where the Nazis are actually cheating. And it's like, oh, you Nazis are cheating the game. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, yeah. No sportsmanship, those Nazis. No sportsmanship. <laughs> um, I don't know. I like because the big twist at the end could be that the curse itself isn't actually a curse, but it's just like you know the inherent violence of man. You know, um, or and, in this case, or homophobia. I mean, I don't think homophobia was big in ancient Egyptian times, but you know, we got to make the sports that somehow is a metaphor for being gay, too. So I don't know how you do that. Um, I could leave that up to uh, you to figure out. Um, and, you know, if we wanted to make it a franchise, we could have this game constantly be discovered in other eras. Like I said, great. <laughs> Just so, a nice sequel. Idea. So those are writer's take after the first walkthrough. So okay. uh, our director, now he changes. You have a new title, okay. Pyramid Games. How, how do you go from here? I might start with taking the S off the end of the game because uh, the Pyramid Games is going to sound too much like Hunger Games. Like, I mean, you want to feed off that energy, but you don't want to bring just that audience. You know, you don't want to just have this games and that games and these games and those games. So, I think just the Pyramid Game, my personal suggestion, might 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 be the way to go. Um, I'm focusing a lot more though on the game itself, like. I'm thinking of, I, I love the idea of the highline and roller derby aspect of it, because again, roller derby is so hot right now, um, especially, uh, I mean, I'm among, only among the ladies, because it's roller derby, and um, so I think that if you had, like you said, renting out the pyramids, um, if you could uh, maybe build a track in between the three major pyramids at Giza, you see what I'm saying? Or the, I mean, maybe the pyramids have like little dig tunnels into the pyramids. They won't hunt. Yeah, you can cover the sand um, when you're done. Exactly. 
plaster of Paris. Now we all know any difference. Now, um, but so you have like these tunnels going into the pyramids themselves, and there are these like uh, treacherous, maybe like a leap um, over a chasm with with lava or scor- scorpions, scorpions, lava scorpions. This is now, the game. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, again, when people played this game back in ancient Egypt, I think that like they had a very high mortality rate. The team that won the game was not just the team that scored the most, but had the most surviving team members. Ah. It's very, it's very important. So again, like you know, you had these clans that would compete, and you know, they they would have the most people to survive and propagate the rest of the clan based on how good they were at this game. Now, uh, you have a little bit of that, the breaking of that uh, tradition, of course, in the modern day, ha- having it being recreated by a mixed race couple of lesbians, and then you have kind of this old tradition that's being taken into the new era with roller derby. And, uh, I mean, they could have these really cool stylized skates. Maybe the skates have some kind of, like, booster mechanism on them to take them into the kind of, like, the banks around the pyramid, you know? Um, you know, you could call them, like, uh, Horus wheels or something. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll work, we'll Jehudis or something. I, I don't know. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a complete expert on ancient Egyptian, um, nomenclature, but... Uh, I think that, you know, this game being recreated by this mixed-race lesbian couple will be able to uh, create a modern, within the universe of this movie, a modern sports phenomenon that will make baseball seem like soccer. All right. For producer, you have yet another title, <clears throat> Hunger Game, and now it has Pyramid Lava game. Pyramid Game. Sorry. See? 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 Yeah. yeah. I, I, know you right. I do really enjoy that your brain has already made that uh, yeah. association. I uh, I like the idea of splitting it into two movies. You know, I want to talk about right now, where do we make that break? Where are we going to make this break? If we have this scientist and this archivist who uh, are back in the 19 uh, Nazi times, we'll figure that out later, <laughs> trying to uh, really break this Egyptian curse, I think that we should break it off just before they're about to make their first kiss. So we have this great sexual tension and this very violent game happening throughout, and they lean into each other, and just before their lips meet, credits. And I think the first thing that they should see at the credits, along with probably some uh, hauntingly beautiful song in Egyptian, we'll find someone to, to make something up. One uh, whale. Yeah. I would like to see uh, the cast come up, but just before it does, just a little flash that says you'll see more in the next movie. That's going to get tickets for the next movie. And at that point, we don't have to worry about quality of script. People are going to say, well, I've already invested this much movie money. I might as well buy another ticket in a year to see that resolution. So, uh, I, I like to split it right there. I do like the idea of having the Nazis as the bad guys. I think that this could also really appeal to the, um, the rising far right-wing influence that we're seeing here in yeah. America and in Europe, you know. So while they're the bad guys, you're still going to get the, these groups of people saying, oh, well, I'm going to see them because these are people that I'm for some god-awful reason looking up to right now. And, you know, you don't see a whole lot of movies coming out about Nazis recently, probably because they're just before our time. But uh, really with the new resurgence of uh, horrible comments made by politicians, I think that the uh, Nazis being yeah. the bad guys could just speak to a different crowd. Indeed, fascism is timeless. It is. Uh, I I like the idea of making it roller derby. Um, you know, if you want to have a good sport that uh, 
really speaks to the GLBT community, then roller derby is a great one. Um, if we could uh, figure out how to change it, we don't want it to be exactly roller derby because I'm afraid that someone out there is going to sue us and I'm a little too lazy to look up who. So uh, if we could just modify it a bit, if you want to go more with the GLBT theme, maybe they've got like in Highline when they're throwing balls at each other, but Egypt's, Egypt's a uh, coastal nation, so they could be throwing clams at each other and your goal is to smash these clams together and we can figure it out, you know, it'll make people giggle and I think that that's what we want to go for, you know, keeping things a little lighthearted in this sweeping drama that's going to win us so many Oscars. Do you think the name of the sport will translate to Clam Smash? From Egyptian? I, well, think, cool Egyptian I think that, in fact, uh, we shouldn't ever say the name of the game out loud. We should just have it written in hieroglyphics, just a clam, and then what looks like a little mini star explosion. That way we'll be able to send lots more t-shirts at Coachella. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. So, as your moderator, I'm going to sum up how this movie did <laughs> and get your reflections okay. on it. So you all get a moment of reflections after I sum up with the pyramid game. Um, I think you have your vision's torn. You want to make a sweeping period piece about lesbians with two top-class actors. I'm not going to argue there. But then you want to add rivers of lava scorpions mm -hmm. with booster skates in the 1930s. I mean, they were just figuring out propeller well, planes Egyptian. back then. They'd be Egyptian boosters. Right. Werner von Braun could have worked on it. Yeah. I don't I don't think the audience is gonna buy it as Oscar worthy in that case. I mean, you're talking more of, you know, uh So they'll have to drive dodgeball care athleticism. You're trying to make dodgeball the Oscar movie, and I don't know if that's gonna sell as an Oscar movie. It may sell, but I don't think it's gonna be Oscar. Also, splitting the movie into two, not bad for making money. But you will be responsible with Gamora and Black Widow for the biggest case of cinematic blue balls in history. And that kind of blowback may be bad for you guys. Um, literally, just Tumblr will be filled with gifts of them almost kissing with a reaction gif of, come on already! Like, I don't know. Do you, want the, hate of, do you want the hate of male Tumblr after you? Well, you're seven up there. There's no Very angry. Um... <laughs> So I think, you know, $90 million budget, that's pretty big, but you're making two movies. I think they both could each draw in 50 to $75 million. So, you know, you'd make your money back plus a little more. You could probably get, you know, a few sales of whatever wacky sport memorabilia you saw from it, like the Nazis versus the Egyptian jerseys and stuff, but period, maybe make a little money from there. So I think overall it makes a little bit of money, but it doesn't make a splash. And both Scarlett Johansson and Zoe Saldana do interviews on talk shows for years, wishing they never did the movie. Hmm. So, uh, which back then to, will in turn make people want to see the movie. Well, so now I want to get your reflections. You should have two minutes to reflect after what I think will happen to the movie. Well, the thing is, uh, you're assuming that, you know, that the um, sport and the lesbian thing will be in conflict with one another. Um, now, what I'm thinking is since we're splitting it in two, you know, the first part is more about the romance, and, you know, that'll make it a bit more realistic, but, you know, the second part is when, you know, all this sort of stuff happens. At that point, you've had about four hours to slowly break down their suspension of disbelief. So by the time you get there, you know, it doesn't seem like out of the blue, like, well, like, we want to really... And, Okay, okay, Rocket's probably, um, 
probably not the right word. Um, you know, we'll try to be historically accurate if we can. Um, I mean, obviously these games didn't really exist, but, you know, how they would have existed. So maybe, like, I don't know, wheels and pulleys or whatever. Um, so uh, one little note, I think, um, this isn't really my place, but uh, you're saying you want to bring in right wing. I'm not sure that's going to work if you have the main characters lesbian, um, but that's just, that's not my place. Um, I think, um, I don't know, they're making a reboot of Indiana Jones, right? With, like, Chris Pine or something. Does that take place in the twist? Because we could maybe ask Disney. Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Like, can we do a crossover with them? I don't know. Maybe Disney would do that. Maybe they wouldn't. I don't know. They seem like nice guys. But um, anyway, so, uh, but yeah, no, you know, really make it the romance of the beginning. Okay. Uh, Have the actual, maybe the kids can be after the credits then. So Mm -hmm. some people. Yeah. So the people who stuck around can then see it. But the people who didn't, because the people who stick around are going to see the second part anyway. But the people who only saw, like, and then leave the theater, like, oh, man, I got to see the second part. You know, they'll be tricked. Then they'll have to go back and see it. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, so that's the thing, you know, to make both movies very different. Okay. All right, writer, your reflections. Oh, directing. Or director. Uh, yeah, it's, um, I think I just found the thing that will solve this movie completely. No roller skates, no rockets, chariots. If, if, if Zoe Saldana and, and Scarlett Johansson are a two-woman chariot team, and it's like roller derby, but with chariots. And so you have, like, you, you can throw in maybe those little Ben-Hur references with the spikes on the side of the chariots, even though that happens all the time. Um, but, you know, you can have this really cool race aspect with the, uh, with, 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 with the high-stakes game that's being played. And, yes, you can still have jump, jumps. Maybe scorpions, maybe lava, maybe just one of those. I don't know. The Nazi um, spikes could be spitting swastikas. They could. They the could. On them. <laughs> that's our first toy. You just, that's our first toy we're going to sell right there. It's, it's got to be a little... It's like, Mommy, get me the Nazi chariot! You know? <laughs> From the movie! So, it, it'll be a marketing coup. I think that, you know, it's historically accurate. The Egyptians... I don't know anything about Egypt, and I know they had chariots. Um, you know, you could very even... You could set one of them on fire just for that visual pun. Um... Took you a second, but you got it, didn't you? Now, um, <laughs> I really do think that this is going to be, for the GLBT community and the sports community, a real uh, coming together moment. You know, yeah, I think we're going to see that we're going to break down a lot of the taboos of, of GLBT people in sports. We're going to get more GLBT people wanting to be involved in sports, especially if they involve chariot lesbians. Now, it's also going to bring in the history crowd. Um, it's got something for everybody. This is going to be an epic to span two years, and it's going to be two solid years of hype. Um, can't miss with that. All right, producer, your reflections, last-minute changes to Pyramid Game. Uh, you know what? As long as it makes the money back, I'm going to be pleased with it. I think it's going to be uh, really great on all of our resumes. It's going to show uh, sort of what we can do. Um, I would like to caution about the chariot because uh, the Ben-Hur remake is coming out later this year. And I don't want to seem like we are copying uh, copying Ben-Hur and then the Mummy remake at the same time. And then the Indiana Jones remake is also coming out soon. I just want to be careful that we don't yeah. look like the next uh, Transmorphers, you know. Yeah. So uh, maybe instead of chariots, if you don't want to go with rocket skates, we could go with skateboards. I think those are still hip. And the kind of retro thing coming on is uh, 
possibly possibly something to bank on. There's a lot of 80s nostalgia going on right it now. It theoretically exist in Egypt, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's boards and wheels. It could be board wheel pulled by a horse. Yeah, okay. Uh, kind of like skiing behind a horse. Yep, there you go. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, we could make that, uh, just get a bunch of stunt actors, you know, make sure we have life insurance policies on them. Oh, I yeah. think that uh, we'll make our money back on that, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um if uh, we want to sell toys, that's a fantastic idea. I think that this could also very easily lead to um, side plots and side stories. You know, the the man who claimed to be a descendant of the pharaoh who is overseeing these games, you know, maybe we get a little side movie that's about him and his family and what their life is like under this weird mummy sport lesbian curse. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like this really has the potential to... Um, to really hit the market here for many years to come, hit the international market, you know, throw a couple token Asian actors in there and China will be showing it. We'll make millions and millions of that. Uh, I, I feel like we've really got something gold on our hands. All right. So my final thoughts with your last minute changes. I think if you switch to chariots, that's probably good. Yeah, you probably get some copycat, but, you know, you're doing it with ladies and... It's a more of a period piece, maybe. It might still do well. Um, I think skateboards are anachronistic enough that people's head would explode, potentially. Um, something to think about. Um, I'll let that, but that means you could have, you know, flaming chariots. That could be a metaphor for being gay, you know? Like, especially oh, if yeah. one has a headdress, look at that flaming queen. Ha <laughs> the joke writes itself. Ben Hur, H-E-R. Yeah, oh, yeah, we can do that, too. I mean, honestly, if if you have Zoe Zaldana and Charlotte Jansen hooking up in a movie and you have a few choice scenes of thin linen clothing, I think you got a winner. So, I mean, you're going to... like their thin linen clothing. Yeah. It's probably going to make money. So, there we have it, audience. We have The Pyramid Game, a parody romance starring Zoe Zaldana Wait, it was a parody? Yeah. It was supposed to be. <laughs> starring Zoe Zaldana, so Scarlett Johansson, so set, set in 1930s Egypt, featuring chariots with swastika hubcaps. And the for the kids, bad guys. For the bad guys. <laughs> um, and we're going to finish with our Gary finisher, as we always do, from the great sage himself, Guy Fieri. This Parmageddon pierogi kraut has sharp cheddar and then goes into the meltification machine. It's out of bounds and so much more than a grilled cheese sandwich. Bye,